and welcome to another episode of Crystal Myth Podcast. With Hi. My... Hi, who, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark, who are you? I'm Leslie and I'm currently melting into my seat and not in a happy way. No, uh, uh, yeah, no, Angie, I too have melted well, and I'm also mm. not overly pleased about it. If you haven't noticed by now, listeners, we are a couple of Scots people who normally are used to like nice cold weather and pish and rain. And we've had to put up with what is described as Satan's arsehole um, kind of heat um, for the past, what, three weeks now with like, I think it started raining where you are in Stranraer. I've only had like a tiny bit of rain and it's still like ridiculously humid. So the we're not used to this. Oh, they're humid satanic heat has been for like four or five days now it's been three weeks of of much hotness but like the last five days have been mental yeah like see we live in a country that isn't designed for heat and we don't have built-in air conditioning in our homes or we don't generally have tiles in our homes either we just generally have carpets because we try and keep warm so when we get hit with a tremendous heat wave like this Tends to make us go about rabbits. <laughs> I mean, I've I'm losing my mind. What's the topic today? As you remember, it is Old Reeky, Old Reeky, or Edinburgh, our capital Edinburgh. city, or Edinburgh. For American listeners. Yeah, please don't say uh, Edinburgh. Edinburgh. It's not Glasgow, and it's not Edinburgh. Edinburgh. And Glasgow, it's not that difficult. <laughs> no, I, it it does confuse me that not so much. I understand why you get the name wrong, but yeah, when you explain to people how to say it, and then they're like, "Yeah, Edinburgh," and I'm like, it's, "No, like, it's really straightforward to say." <laughs> how would you do it phonetically? Ed. Just you did Ed and Ed as bar. in Ed Winchester. A bar N, as in as Bill in. Burr. Bill Burr. He's a famous American comedian. Mm-hmm. Ed Burr. No, that's not <laughs> because I can't even like this. It it's Ed, Ed Burr, Burr, Burr. Ed and then N and then Burr. Just say Ed and Burr. That would do. And then scream, gutturally. Ed and Burr. Ah! <laughs> that's Ed. closer than Edinburgh. Let's remember, like, let's talk Hollywood for a second here. So Edinburgh was famously portrayed in the movies recently in Marvel um, was it Endgame, one of the fucking Endgame, one of the Marvel Endgame movies. Yes, Scarlet, Where Scarlet Witch. Vision had moved to Edinburgh, hadn't they? Not, not, were they not just, <clears throat> I don't think they moved there, I think they were just on holiday on their honeymoon. <laughs> I've sure. got heat madness, they were fighting evil intergalactic space pirates there they, they hadn't moved Scarlet Witch no they were they were they weren't they didn't go there oh my god we're arguing now they, they didn't go there to fight aliens they were there on their honeymoon they were there to bang they were oh. they were getting deep fried Mars bars the aliens came to them well that was rude of them you shouldn't ruin people's honeymoons yeah I know they, they were down to pound still why you would want to go to Edinburgh on your honeymoon I really don't know but anyway I do like Edinburgh though, and I suppose if you were from It's the Ouija thing, isn't it? I went if you were from and then stopped because I'm like, if you were from 
a fictional <laughs> Eastern European country or the mm. internet, then you might want to go to Edinburgh on your honeymoon. What else? Harry Potter inspired by Edinburgh. There's actually a Tom Riddle in the graveyard and oh. Greyfriars fucking cemetery. A Thomas Riddle who is Voldemort apparently. And um, that's where Greyfriars Bobby Bobby, every time I say that like you want to pet my Bobby. <laughs> it's a dog. It's a dog. Allegedly. It's not um, alleged that it was a dog. It's alleged the story. The story of the dogs <laughs> alleged. But apparently, there definitely was a dog. Yeah, but someone said it was just someone maybe just realised that it was just a homeless dog that just wanted somewhere to sleep. Doesn't necessarily mean that it was sleeping on his master's grave. I don't know. I'd like to think that it's the. Mm. I feel like we should briefly tell the story because we're jumping yeah, the end of it. Some of the listeners might not know it. Wait, wait, before you do, I was going to, like, before I went off on a tangent, I just want to say I went to see The Flash last night. Ooh. And I was very surprised about how much of Glasgow, I know we're talking Edinburgh here, but a lot of Glasgow was in it um, okay. for representing, like, Gotham. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. I can't take this seriously because there's George Square again. There's the city chambers. There's St. Vincent Street. And I'm probably going to do the same with Indiana Jones because they filmed in the exact same location. <laughs> anyway. But for anyone who doesn't live in Glasgow, I'm sure it'll be a cool movie for you. The rest of it's quite fun. I mean, I do really fancy it. <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to seeing it. I know, I was very conflicted about the Ayers and Miller thing, but he charmed me. I can't deny it. So, yeah, I'm bad. Does that make me bad? Am I cancelled now? <laughs> His character of Barry Allen was quite charming. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you like actually Ezra Miller, so it's fine. Yeah, okay, thanks. <laughs> Michael Keaton was badass. Right, so we're going to tell... Right, Well, they did make a movie. There's been quite several movies made of Greyfriars Bobby because yeah, Hollywood yeah. loves a fucking, I don't know, badly accented Scottish story. I've never actually seen Hollywood versions... There was a recent one, Greyfriars Bobby. I don't know when it came out. Um, I'll look it up while you tell us the backgrounds of the story of Greyfriars Bobby. Okay, I'm not going to look it up though, so I'm just going to roughly oh, tell it from memory. Hmm? So the story is that there was a guy and every day his dog would follow him to work and then wait outside for him when he was at work. He worked in Edinburgh. And then when he died, the dog would yeah. come and sit no, on his screen. Don't pause after saying the dog would come. Please, that's not good. <laughs> and then when he died, it turned out the dog was a necrophiliac. And that's why it's a famous story. Um, and then when he died, the dog would still come every day, but it would like leave its house and then it would come and it would lie on his grave yeah. for the amount of time that it would lie outside his work every day and then it wouldn't leave until it was time to go home. And mm. people found it very endearing and they would feed it scraps of food. And then eventually the dog died because it got so old but it was still every single day coming and lying on its master's grave and it passed away on his grave and they erected a statue to it overlooking the grave right the movie the last time they made a movie out of this was in 2005 and it was called the adventures of Greyfriars bobby and already looking at the trailer it makes me want to hurl because <laughs> it looks like a fucking shortbread chocolate box type of scottish film 
where everyone wears kilts. Also, because I feel like that's kind of it, isn't it? Like, he didn't have lots of big adventures. He wasn't lassie. No. Um, well, it says here, Bobby, a brave Sky Terrier. Was he a Sky Terrier? Well, there is a statue of Bobby. Um, yeah, that is. Definitely some sort of terrier. He's definitely a terrier. Um, he becomes a local legend when it refuses to leave his master's grave, who was called John Gray, and he is actually a real person who's buried in Greyfriars Cemetery. You can go there. And see it, and they've put that Bobby's actually there as well. But whether that was actually his dog, we don't know. That's the, the bit that's so, debatable. Yeah. So, what was his name, John? John Gray, the John man. Gray. Was, I really wanted to call him John uh, Bobby. John Bobby Greyfriars. <laughs> John, John, John Bobby Gray Bobby was um, a real man. <laughs> and Bobby the dog was a real dog but yeah the only bit but it's confusing because it's like some people that knew John really well said that that was his dog and it lived with him oh. and then other people were like oh no we've never oh. seen that dog before ever before it started coming in line on his grave so it's a you bit know, unclear. Yeah but if you're saying the townspeople fed it do you think maybe it was just a smart dog that thought here I can come here act all cute they'll think that you know, I'm a stray and that I love this guy, but I don't I don't know if dogs think that acutely. And that they'll feed me scraps of food. I've got a good thing going here. I mean, he might have kept coming back because we were giving him scraps of food. But mm, I think if some tough. of the people said it was his dog and if it was specifically choosing his grave, I think it was his dog. <clears> I, mean, I, I choose I, to believe the myth. Mulder, Mulder again, Fox Mulder. Right. Well, I'm going to be the whole like the devil's advocate and say that I'm skeptical about it because if that dog was going to his grave for 14 years, dogs live about 13, 14 at most. Some like little dogs. I don't know. Big dogs don't last that long. So he must have had that dog if it was his as a little puppy. Therefore, I don't think he got to know it a lot. Like, I don't think he would have had enough time to bond with the thing for it to want to just sleep at his grave. And how would he know that was his grave unless he went to his funeral or something? <laughs> no idea. I'm going to argue Could the other way again, which is that I think that <clears throat> if it was going to his grave for 14 years, that would mean it was probably only about one when he died, which would make more sense because then that would mm. make sense that some of his friends were like, he never had a dog. And some of his friends were like, no, that was his dog. Because if he'd only had it for a short amount of time. one of his neighbours would adopt a dog and take him in. Unless they did try that and then the dog just went, nah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna sleep above my master's grave again <laughs> every day. Wasn't there a similar story in Japan? Like, it was a Richard Gere movie called Hachi or something. And it was a Japanese Akita. And it did the same thing in the 1920s that it would it would go with his master to work at the railway station or something and then one day he went to the railway station and then just didn't come back because he died and every day after that Hatchie would go to the train station and wait for his master to come back but he never did yeah. but and he did it every day until he died <laughs> what is it with dogs that do that it's just so mad I suppose they're creatures of habit as well, so... Well, maybe, yeah. Uh, they'll probably think if they keep, like, replicating the same pattern, eventually they will hmm. get their owner back, which is very sad. Whereas I think a cat just wouldn't give a shit, would it? <laughs> you don't get stories like Greyfriars. 
pussy or something. <laughs> no, my cat would only go to my grave if there was like enough of a hole in it to dig me up and have a munch of my corpse. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Don't blame him for they're it. So in- but they're so like interested when you're alive. Like Mahiso won't like that's your cat. I know you you know who your cat is. I'm just saying to the listeners that's Mark's cat. He's quite yeah, a cat. plump, lovely little little. No, not so little. How old is Mahis now? Uh, he's nine. Nine? God, he's getting yeah. on. So he likes to, when we're talking in our podcast, he likes to sit in front of Mark's laptop. So it's it's just weird. Like, so when you're alive, they like to sit in front of you or on your lap. But when you're dead, they probably yeah. don't care. We're Actually, you're right. I'm not, like, if, if right. I did have like some sort of open grave, you probably wouldn't come anywhere near it. Yeah. Maybe I can't irritate you in any way. I'm yeah. going to go over here. I'll just go find someone else to irritate now that you're dead. Um, but it's a shame because we, we generally outlive our pets unless you've got a parrot or a tortoise like Jonathan, who's what, currently nearly 200 years old or something. Is he still alive, Jonathan, the tortoise? I know I'm strained from the Edinburgh thing, but I'm just genuinely interested. I don't know. I don't know if he is. Well jealous. Yeah, well... Do you okay. want me to tell you um, both of my other Edinburgh stories kind of must yes. into one? Yes. So, is there any more about Bobby, by the way? I don't think so. I think that's it. The only other thing I would say about Bobby is about the statue is that people think that it's good luck to rob Bobby's nose. Um, uh, There's a statue of Greyfriars Bobby uh, near the Greyfriars Cemetery. And you can tell people rub its nose because it damages the statue because he's got black, like he's generally black all round, apart from his nose area, which is now gold due to how many people have rubbed it. And it's supposed to be like tourists uh, group or tour guides or whatever that encourage people to do that. And they created that myth. But there's no real truth to it at all. You don't get luck from, well, I would say you wouldn't from rubbing a statue's nose. It's a bit like, you know, the bull in Wall Street where they say if you rub the balls, you'll get yes. rich. <laughs> so they're, uh, they're now trying to, yeah. That makes sense. So they, they, fixed, they fixed his nose, but I think they're continuing to rub the poor Bobby's nose. So don't do that, please, if you're in Edinburgh. Because... But then it's a bit like telling people not to put the cone on top of the Duke of Wellington's head and front of the Glasgow um, Gallery of Modern Art. People are still going to do it. But then yeah, I just find it has slightly different. And he looks cute with his nose being a different colour. I from think the it's song. cute. It looks like he's got a wee shiny nose. Like, I like it. Yeah. Why not just keep the legend going? Like, I don't think it damages it that much. It actually gives it a wee, a wee bit more, like, makes it more fun, makes it more interactive. Yes. For the people. Get close to the bobby. <laughs> Rob that bobby. Give his nose a wee lick. Mm. <laughs> okay, so what's your next um, myth about Edinburgh, your mythical legends? Is it so, true or is it not? I found this thing about the big <laughs> the big women of Bow. I've never heard of this, so I'm really intrigued. Well, I'd never heard of her, and just from the title, <laughs> the I was like, Leslie will want to know about this. Yes. But then it turns out that the big woman of Bow comes out of another story, so I'll start with the other story first. Yay. Which will eventually lead us to the big women of both. Oh, okay. 
because in looking at the big women of Bo, it started talking about this guy, and I was like, who's he? Which then took me to Robert Louis Stevenson. So oh, Robert Louis Stevenson. Big fan. Good. I'm glad you like him. Thanks. Kidnapped is one of my favourite books, as I've mentioned. What do you think about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? I've never read it. I oh, it's good. Is it, I think I've never read it because I just know, I feel like I already know the story. So, like, you know, there's been all these, again, Hollywood movies about it. It's really but, well written, though. Like, I mm-hmm. listened to the audio. Okay, I'll try. I can't remember who it was read mm-hmm. by. But it was, like, really well written and really well read. I really enjoyed it. Imagine Alan Cumming would be quite a good narrator yeah. for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I'd like to listen to him narrate it. Um, not you, McGregor. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think of Scottish actors. <laughs> Um, Daniela Nardini Was that the one who read it? No, I'm just oh. saying Scottish actors I'd be like, because that would be really cool of women reading it <laughs> I'd like Daniela Nardini to read it, I like her voice Yeah, you don't really see her much anymore I think the only no, Scottish actress you kind of see nowadays Is that um, one who was in Dream, Kelly MacDonald Yes, uh, and Karen Gillan, she's in... Oh, Karen everything. Gillan, how could I forget her? But then she's, she's in Hollywood now, she doesn't really make Scottish stuff, you know? Yeah, she's probably not doing um, random audiobooks, mm. but... Yeah, she would be good. Anyway, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, yeah, I mean, because Kidnap's really well written and you feel like you're totally escaped into the world that he creates. So I'd imagine it would be the same with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, it's very immersive. Like, and really, it's set in really good read. Um, no, it's set oh, in London. Right, but... I thought they just made, they just set, like, most of it in London for convenience sake. I thought it was set in Edinburgh in the book, so that's disappointing. All but right. it was based on <clears throat> somebody that Robert Louis Stevenson knew personally when he was living in Edinburgh, who, who was so a cool. resident of Edinburgh. Charlotte and... was also based on a guy, um, I know it's a different author, but it's weird that you say that because Edinburgh has inspired a lot of authors, um, and she who may not be named by you because you don't yeah. like, we don't let's not mention her. But uh, also, like, uh, so Arthur Conan Doyle was inspired to write Sherlock Holmes because a professor at Edinburgh University was like a, a as good a detective in forensics, and that's what inspired him to base Sherlock Holmes on. And yeah, obviously he lived in London as well. So yeah, sorry. Well, similarly with these two guys that he mm-hmm. based Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde on. So when I initially read that with you saying like all those characters where it's like, oh, because they're so similar, I was like, how could there be two real people that Robert Louis Stevenson knew? It's not Barking Hare, is it? No. Oh, thank God, because I thought, oh, that's that's the only obvious one I can think of, you know, like two creepy characters. But so then they're we, both cunts, so. <laughs> well, I mean, so is, I'm going to say one of these. I think the second one you're going to really like. Okay. So the first was Deacon Brody, who was... Oh, I know him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Deacon Brody was a personal acquaintance of Robert Louis Stevenson, and he wow. was known to be a kindly, helpful pillar of both his church and Edinburgh as a whole. Uh, everybody basically loved him. He was just a sort of stand-up guy that everybody just talked mm-hmm. to about all kinds of things until it was found out that he was actually the man that had been terrorising Edinburgh for a <laughs> prolonged period of time. Uh, at know. night, he would go out in disguise as a cat burglar and serial killer. I, I didn't think he killed people. I thought he just stole jewels. 
Point uh, like apart, whenever he was caught, he killed. So he was classed as a oh, killer because he killed so many. Did he so hit many. them with his stick? I think yes. he hit him over the head with his stick. Now it's coming to me because Billy Con- Connolly played him. And this kind of ties in with Half Hang at Maggie that I'm going to talk about because I remember in this TV show, he came up with some fucking contraption to stop himself from being hung, but I don't know if it worked. It didn't because he died by hanging in 1788. Okay. Right, fine. <laughs> but the other person that was then the basis, so when this all happened and Stevenson was like blown away how Deacon Brody, who he thought was such a wonderful man, could actually have this dark side and it reminded him of Major Thomas Weir. Oh. Do you know of Major Thomas Weir? No, 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 no. So Major Thomas Weir had been appointed the commander of the Edinburgh City Guard in 1649. Sweet. Uh, and at this point, he was put in charge of several different areas uh, of, of the government, castle? I guess. Oh, uh, okay. Of like military-linked government. And well, in Scotland still would have been independent at that time. Yeah. Politically, yeah, okay. So he did a lot of work with the Marquis of Montrose. Ah. And he was in charge of uh, basically deciding whether or not people went forward for execution, among other roles. Oh. But despite the obviously negative job role that you might think he had he was actually one of edinburgh's most respected citizens people thought that he was really really fair it tended to be the case that there wasn't enough evidence to end somebody's life then he wouldn't Uh, a reasonable man okay so he's not going around burning witches like they do back then right okay good definitely not um so he was really really respected people really liked him people thought he was really approachable had a lot of friends um, as was his sister Grizel Weir. Um, Grizel. Grizel. That like a magic name. It I does like, it. like a magic name, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I say in a deliberately leading voice. So <laughs> his sister Grizel Weir was I'm also really like greatly respected, thought to be a wonderful woman. Many people went to her um, for alterations on clothing, materials and things like that. Oh, Mark, so, I thought you were going to say alterations to their body or like, you know, like <laughs> She was doing early gender reassignments. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So they were both considered to be brilliant. Like, obviously she was really, really wealthy because she was the sister of a major and, um, yeah. but she was still giving back to people and like giving oh. these materials and things for free. Uh, she happened to be particularly wealthy because as neither of them had ever married, um, oh. they spent their entire lives living together in the house that was given to the major by the Marquis, which was in the west of Bo. Ah, She's right. not okay, the big woman of Bo, by the way. Right. We all get back to the big woman of Bo. <laughs> the big woman of Bo. I can't wait to hear about this. All right. So again, considered to have a wonderful life, he retired. They continued to stay in this house. She was two years older than him, so had she been working, which she wasn't, she would also be retired by this point in time. At the age of sixty-nine, uh, Major <laughs> Weir put out a public statement informing the people of Edinburgh that he and his sister Grizel had been servants of Satan since their childhood. Fuck off. Now, this wasn't under any kind of duress or anything. He wasn't. He didn't have Alzheimer's or dementia or anything, did he? What? (laughs) Initially, his doctor stated that he had, and this is a quote from, like, the records, had become demented with old age. Mm -hmm. 
Right. And that there was no truth in any of this, and it was just due, due to his old age and his ill health that he was making this statement. But eventually, through investigation, enough evidence was unearthed to support at least some of his claims. For example, he claimed that he and his sister yeah. were both children of Satan, not provable. Well, but actually children of Satan's. Were like, children of Satan. Right, okay. Which we couldn't prove, but oh. as they were children of Satan, had had to couple with one another and live as husband and wife. Right, so that, yeah, because I was thinking back then, if a brother and sister are living together and they're not married, surely there would be some gossip going on there. That's what I would be thinking. Well, apparently there was no gossip going on because, again, what? they considered to be such wonderful people. But That they, is mad. <laughs> they were, in fact, banging. Um, <laughs> he also claimed in his statement that they had both had sexual relationships with animals. Oh. Again, evidence was found of this. And, and this links back to his job running the uh, courts, they were effectively running the entire Edinburgh criminal underbelly between the two of them. That is so Jekyll and Hyde. That is is You cannot get more Jekyll and Hyde than that. And there's two of them. I think that's a better story than Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. I want to see a movie about that. (laughs) Oh my God. Now, there was also some other claims that we can't really prove. So they also claimed that they so had... Wait, Mark, uh, can we backtrack a bit? I'm really we sorry. Can backtrack can we, a bit. How the fuck... Where's the evidence of them fucking animals? Like, did they have a, a wee mini zoo in their castle or something? And to be fair, goats? I don't know. So the evidence of oh. him and her living as husband and wife, she was then taken in and questioned and said that, yeah, that was actually true. She was very much in love with her brother. Um, and the criminal underbelly thing, like the quite a lot of the criminals that they tracked down um basically some had confessed that yeah they were actually working for the weirs the entire time reminds me of alistair crowley when he used to get people to try and fuck goats in his italian villa or whatever yeah (laughs) although these guys are much better than a yeah crowley ever was (laughs) but yeah i don't know how they proved the bestiality um so Maybe things they that found... could be They also claimed that they had travelled with demons in uh, flaming carriages on multiple occasions. That's so rock and roll. <laughs> Grizel said that she and her brother had been gifted godly intelligence by Satan himself because wow. they were particularly loved amongst his children. Oh. She also claimed that the walking stick that they found in the house belonged to Major Thomas and that the reason that he only used it in the house was because of what it was carved from. And guess what they found it was carved from when they uh, looked into the, the carved top of it? Um, A human skull? Yep, more than one. No way! <laughs> uh, she said that this human skull cane was a gift to her brother from a high-ranking demon and that this could take human form. And when it did so, it acted as their manservant, who many had met. Wow! It would attend to their guests and would also often go shopping for them. Now, interestingly, <laughs> apparently their manservant was never seen after mm. the staff was seized. That's that's like a... This is like some sort of dark, fucked-up Disney movie. Like their magical staff. Yeah. It turns into their servant. Oh man, I want a magical staff that can go shopping for me. 
Well, it's also got another uh, good skill that I think you would like. She said, when you carried the staff in your hand in the form of a staff, Uh it would clear anyone you wouldn't want to speak to out of your way, as in they would be compelled to not approach you. That is like my ideal thing. I fucking hate crowds of people getting them out. In fact, today when I was in the shop or when I got off the bus, there was a woman in front of me and she was so fucking slow. I just wanted her to fuck off and, and push her or something. If I had that stick... She would be just be compelled. It'd be like having like a force field around you that people yeah, just run away from you as fast as she yes. could. That's good. Now, obviously, after all the investigations, Thomas was arrested. Grizel was then arrested as well and accused of being a witch, based both on this statement oh. about all of her dealings with Satan and, which I greatly enjoy, uh, extracts from her arrest information, and because she could spin an inhuman amount of yarn well, that's the least satanic thing I've heard so far I know, I'm like <laughs> why is that it's not the final point in my story but it is the final point in the charges as though and to top what? it all off she could spin a lot of yarn may god help us all <laughs> she's, she's gonna knit you a fucking jumper so if we go to the night when they were to be executed, which is how I accidentally wound up finding out about them. So on the night that Thomas and Grizel were executed, many strange events were reported in and around Edinburgh. No, that's a lie, just in Edinburgh, not around mm. Edinburgh. Uh, well, they were strangled and burned, which is what they were sentenced to, which like... But why did he confess? Did someone narc on them or did he actually just come out and say it? Like, what was his point? No, apparently, from what I could read, there was there was no duress, there was nothing going on. He literally did just put out a statement being like... Well, well, how did he think that was going to go? people of Edinburgh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm maybe, married to my sister and my right. dad's the devil. Hold on, maybe, maybe his dad called him back. Maybe it's like a sort of Jesus thing. You know, Jesus was, he knew he had to die for everyone's sins and he was going to die in a crucifix. Maybe the major and his wife thought, right, we're old now. Satan obviously wants us to get, he's calling us back to hell. So the only way we can do this is to confess everything or just, and then they'll burn us. Yeah, so that people know of like the chaos we've sown, because otherwise yeah. what was the point in the chaos? What was the fucking point of that? And also burning is probably the best way to get to hell. Yeah, nice and quick. I mean, yeah. they travelled in flaming carriages a lot. Exactly, so, so they probably didn't give a shit. <laughs> I'd imagine so, Satan probably came and embraced them in the fire. And took them back to his lovely condominium. Their mm-hmm. staff had been seized when they were searching the house and obviously had been Who's checked the and they found that it was made out of uh, human skull fragments. While Thomas was being strangled, the guy that was looking after the staff said that the staff began to writhe on the floor. Oh, oh I and feel then, so sorry for it. When he went to pick it up to put it back where it was being stored, it burst into flames and the flames burned brightly until it turned completely to ash. Oh, I'm so gutted. That means that staff is 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 definitely not around. I thought maybe, hopefully, that the staff would be in some fucking attic somewhere. And, and someone might, like me would find it and I could wield its power. Again, like a weird know. Disney movie. Kind of like Aladdin, but better. Yes! <laughs> the Cave of Mist. Except the attic of Edinburgh. <laughs> in the vaults, maybe it's in the vaults somewhere, or or is there any way that we could find? No, there's no way. I'm, I'm like to find the ashes and then somehow bring it back, like in Dracula. Yeah, eat the ashes and become 
this terrible. I don't know. That's awesome. I, it's, it's awesome and disappointing because I was hoping that that skull would be around. The, oh, staff, well. the skull staff's still not my favourite bit, though. This isn't why I found out about them. So the staff. So, right. Since the time Who's of the execution, both of their spirits have reportedly been seen around their old home. Uh-huh. But also, while their execution was taking place prior to anybody seeing their spirits, multiple different witnesses fled the area after they separately reported seeing something quite unusual outside of the Weir's home. The quite unusual thing was the big woman of Bow. They saw a woman who was about ten and a half feet tall, scooting about around the side of their house. I don't like that. Okay. She was waving her arms in the air and... Oh, like she does don't care. <laughs> yeah. Laughing so hard that she was shaking with a measurable laughter. Well, she dancing. is waving her hands in the air like she just don't care. She is she's waving laughing. her hands in the air like she just doesn't care. And dancing with many short men. Oh, no. So it's... So so there's little are they little short men in comparison like are they like normal sized men in comparison to her or are they actual dwarfs? Uh, no, so I think she was dancing with hold on. Oh, hold on. I managed personally what she was doing. A sketch depicting what one of the Oh you sketched it. No, no, I managed to find a sketch that oh, was a depiction of what one of the I was hoping you you'd done a sketch. I want you to do a sketch of it. Your interpretation. Maybe I should do it as well. I'm saying that it's still quite uh-huh. difficult to tell from this because I'm like, well, if she's supposed to be ten foot tall, are they normal size? No, I'd say I'd say they're like like little three foot, four foot men. Danny DeVito size. Yeah, like they look like maybe a bit Danny DeVito size or maybe okay. a wee bit a wee bit bigger than DeVito. Right. Okay, so Tom Cruise then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And there we go. We're talking maybe between Prince and Tom Cruise. I've sent it to you. Oh, okay. It's hard to see for, for scaling these things, though. Um, oh, what a picture that is. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's like their mansion oh, in the background. So that's the weird mansion... Mm-hmm. And that's the big woman of Bo, and it looks like the men are all worshipping her or something. They do seem to be. They're very into her. Yeah, and she is laughing. It looks like she's screaming in pain, but again, apparently she's supposed to be uh, absolutely, like, gotten herself with joyful laughter. So is she supposed to be Grizel, or who, who the fuck is she then? Nobody knows. Oh, <laughs> That was why I read the the very short bit that I just gave you of the story of the big woman of Bo, and then I was like, uh-huh. who is she? I want to know more about the big woman of Bo. So then I ended up finding out about the weirs. But yeah, nobody, apparently, it's not like she'd been seen regularly. What? It was just that one time. So right as they were dying, she appeared to all these people next to their house and then was never seen again. There's got to be a connection there somehow. That's weird. Maybe she was their mum. Maybe their dad was Satan and their mum was a 10 foot tall woman. And she how was having you, a new party because they were coming home to hell. How do you spell bow? Uh, B-O-W. Oh, right. Like, okay. Huh. No, no, wait. Something came up. I, I looked up who, right, get it. I looked up who is the big woman of bow. 
and it comes up Clara Ellen Grant. She dedicated her life to tackling child poverty while her <laughs> farting bundles led to her moniker of the Bundle Woman of Bo. No, that's not the right one there. That's not her. I like Nobody that. Knows. Knows. Oh. Nobody that's knows. Weird. I've, never, knows. I've never. So do you think is she's been cited? in modern times like she's still there technically no. i want to go and invest no there's just been that one sighting of her ever oh right as the weirs were dying that was when she apparently appeared and nobody's ever seen her since or not even appeared just stoted stoted up outside their house ten oh. and a half feet tall doing her dance and then the minute they were dead she left nobody's ever seen her again that's really weird. Uh, that is so. Like, I'm actually fascinated. Like, I really want to know more. I know. I'm trying to think. Who could she be? Is she a spirit, or is she just? Was it just a coincidence that that happened to have taken that event took place when they were getting executed? I actually like that better in my head. Yeah. She was some sort of like messenger of Satan, but I like the idea that if like it was just some big woman having down, a party. And yeah. we're like, why why do you work with Satan, demon? If she was like, I'm not a demon, I'm just a I'm ten not. foot ten and a half foot tall immortal woman. Like yeah. I don't even know who the fuck the weirds are. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, who the fuck are you? I was just having a daft laugh at that yeah. and they just happened to be burning at the same time. There's no connection whatsoever. I'm just the big woman of bow. <laughs> <laughs> I like this was kind of shady there. <laughs> Big woman of bow, please come back. I want to, I want to have a conversation with you or a party with you or whatever. Let's just dance. Also, the viewers, they just mm. seem like such good fun. Yeah, I mean, imagine being like that good at being good, but the whole time you're being so debauched and degenerate. I love it. Yes. I it's want to believe. See, I've ever found. Actually, and I'm I'm kind of proud in a way that it took place in our country, <laughs> in our capital city. I thought you were just going to say you're just generally proud of them, and I was going yeah. to agree. I'm proud also that you know they were Scottish, and that I just think, wow, fair play to them, good on them. I'm just well jealous of that staff that they had. I mean, that is amazing. Like Deacon Brody had a staff that he was murdering people with, but they had one that turned into a guy that went out to to get messages for them and get their carry it. That is brilliant. I really like Grizel as well. I don't know why yeah. she's my favourite out of the two of them. I quite like that when they came and were like, we need to question you. Your brother says that you've been shagging. She was like, we have been shagging. And also, yeah. do you know about the skull staff? Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine she would say it in such a, like a an enthusiastic way. Like, how do you not know? <laughs> like, what did you think was going on? <laughs> These are all a bunch of idiots. You thought we were actually nice. Hey, maybe she was like using her magic powers to transform people into like better looking people or make them healthier. Like, I have no issue with thinking both are true. Like, maybe she was yeah. the daughter of Satan. What's wrong with that? Who's Satan's brother? had a magic evil staff and also genuinely did want to help children that couldn't afford to buy their own clothes. And maybe when they said they fucked animals, it was some like sexy black goat like Black Philip. Maybe. And who, we all love him. Well, I'm going to talk about another woman called Half Haggard Maggie 
she was a Scotswoman in Edinburgh who survived the hanging, basically. You can't get more plain than that. Uh, she was an Edinburgh woman who survived being hanged in 1721 for the crime of concealing a pregnancy in the case of a dead child. Now, this sort of links in with a modern story. And can you believe it? A Scottish woman recently was jailed for 28 days for having a late abortion during lockdown. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah. So it's still having it's it's still we've got that kind of law in place where these people like like poor Margaret was probably in a bad way and you know like didn't want to have a kid or maybe she was a servant because a lot of servants had to conceal their pregnancies and often those pregnancies were a result of being raped by their masters. So what can you do? Um. So there's very, many, very, 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 fuck this heat. There are many variations on the story. My mouth is melting and my brain is mush. But they all share the same basic details. So Maggie, she separated from her husband. She needed to find employment to survive. So she moved the borders. So she took up work at a local pub there. And like I said, she became a domestic servant, which is what most women had to do to survive back then other than become a whore or a prostitute or something unlike Griselle she didn't have a magic staff that could get her anything she wanted the innkeeper's son took an interest in Maggie and we know what happens she got pregnant by him whether that was through choice or not I doubt it but there you go so she didn't want to jeopardize her position at work as many and this happened right up through the 18th century right up to the early 20th century in fact even today with that lady because she was probably worried about the consequences maybe like being stuck in lockdown she'd broken up with her boyfriend and she was worried about like getting medical help I suppose she was stuck she's probably under a lot of stress she already had other children so it's sad it's still happening yeah um so she concealed her pregnancy from everyone. The child was weak and unhealthy and died a few days after birth. Maggie didn't want to be caught or she was not able to give her child a proper burial. She decided to place the body of the baby in the nearby River Tweed. The baby's body was discovered later that day, having washed up further down the river. My advice would be she should have maybe dug a big hole and put the baby in it just saying all suspicion pointed to maggie and she was taken back to edinburgh to be tried for the crime of concealing a pregnancy i guess that also includes murder of a baby i'm not sure whether which is the worst crime there i i I don't know but anyway she was subsequently sentenced to death for this heinous crime and after her hanging whether she'd like the baby was going to die anyway like, she didn't actually kill the baby. No, but it is a crime to conceal that you're pregnant as well. Like, hiding. A weird crime. Yeah, I know. Because if you don't, if you tell your employer that you're pregnant, then you're just a disgrace as an unmarried mother or whatever, even yeah. though it was them that did it, and they'll kick you out. So either you're going to live in poverty 
where you can't feed a baby and it'll probably starve to death because you're fucking poor. Or you can seal the pregnancy or maybe try and give the baby away. Often they just abandon the baby somewhere for it to be found or they would kill the baby, unfortunately, or smother it uh, as Maggie did, throw it in the river. Or maybe it was already dead. I don't know. So what she was hung on September 2nd, 1721. She was pronounced dead at the gallows and her body was transferred to a wooden coffin. Her family wished her to be buried in her parish churchyard at Musselburgh, which is near Edinburgh. It's like a coastal place, six miles away. The cheap wooden pauper's coffin she was to be buried in let in air, so it wasn't sealed completely, and combined with the jostling cart along the cobbled streets, which shook about, actually woke up Maggie because she wasn't (laughs) dead. She was just unconscious because obviously the air got cut off to her brain. You lose consciousness quite quickly and they never check properly for what kind of stupid doctor was checking her for her pulse. Fuck knows. Much to the horror of her family, she woke up. So in Scottish law, they deemed this as an act of God. Might have applied in England as well. I think there were some cases where people who survived a hanging or survives an execution how how you survive a beheading you wouldn't be able to do that would you <laughs> i'll just shove my head back on i'm so i'm alive <laughs> so they brought maggie back from the dead um which is which they proclaimed that it was god that brought her back not the weirs i like to think it would be them actually and they pardoned the her crimes yeah the weirs probably came back from hell and saved her <laughs> Though weak and barely conscious, Maggie did pull through. Her husband, the fucking arsehole, renewed his affection for her and took her back home. What, after she... What the fuck? Why now she's take a that guy? zombie wants her. Oh, now he wants her? Maybe he's got some sort of fetish, fetish for dead women. I don't know. Maggie went on to live for a further 40 years. Yes. And she had several more legitimate children. So it's a nice happy ending for Maggie. The people of Edinburgh viewed her in awe and used to call out to her as Hoff Hang It Maggie when she walked past them in the street. I don't know if that's a nice thing to shout at her. Why would you want to remind her that she was fucking hung once? (laughs) Her name lives on in Maggie Dixon's pub in the old town. So there's there's often pubs named after famous Edinburgh characters. That's how I know Deacon Brodie as well, because that's a famous pub down the Royal Mile and that's another myth about Edinburgh is that the Royal Mile um, runs from the top of where Edinburgh Castle is all the way down hill through the shops and stuff past the St Giles Cathedral all the way down to Holyrood Palace or where the Scottish Parliament is and it's not actually a mile even though it's called the Royal Mile well actually it is and technically a mile it's a Scottish mile which is longer than an English one. But fortunately, when the English took over our lands and decided to become our overlords, we had to adapt to their ways. Um, so we had to shorten our mail to theirs and adopt the English mail. So the Scots mail no longer applies, but the Scottish mail is longer. So the Royal Mail is longer than a mail, but it's a Scots mail, so it still counts, I think. You know about T- the... Yeah. Ghost under the Royal Mile. I know there was supposed to be a ghost that wanders through the tu- supposed underground tunnel. There was tunnels yeah. found in, in Edinburgh Castle. I don't think it was. Was it the Did it lead under the Royal Mile? Well, 
they one of them was a drummer boy and one of them was a piper. It was the piper, so right. there was a guy, a young guy that played the pipes, and there was uh, some sort of aristocratic type people that had got him to go down into the tunnels that ran under the castle to work out where they went because they were supposed to lead all through the city. So he was mm. to play the pipes as loud as he could so they could hear him from above ground. But I think okay. it was it was like as they were going down the Royal Mile following him is when the pipes cut out and then he yeah, never came weird. out of the tunnel. So apparently if you can like hear and pipes, like or pipes being played when there's not a piper around, it's him playing them under oh. the castle or the Royal Mile or whatever. Okay, that's a shame. But it's hard to tell because you hear pipes everywhere in Edinburgh now, so he's probably doing yeah, that Yeah, I wonder if that's a real ghost story or if, again, it's just one made up by, like you said earlier, mm. tour guides because it's quite a good one to be like, ooh, spooky, because, yeah, you're, all, like, <laughs> you're always hearing disembodied pipes in Edinburgh. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, the, people always say, people, there's, a, there's also an a urban myth about how that they buried like there's another city underneath the city where they buried all the the plagues or they quarantine people who were victims of the plague uh, and there's a golf course nearby in edinburgh where people are saying that actually that was a field where again the, the reason why it's so lumpy is because of all the fucking corpses but that's not the case they actually did look after the people who had the plague it's just that one part of edinburgh did get built over I think when they were renovating it or something, like things get built on top of other things. And Mary King's Close was kind of put in quarantine, but that was just one area. It wasn't the entire city. So, yeah. Mm. Um. Well, speaking of Arthur C, Arthur C is... Now, I always thought that Ed, well, Edinburgh Castle is built on a volcano... And it, by the way, it, there's also the uh, legend that Edinburgh Castle was built by the Romans, but the, although there were Romans back in those days, <clears throat> even though they, they didn't like us Scottish people because the picks were mental and they built a wall to keep us out, <laughs> they ran away. <laughs> we actually destroyed one of their legions, the Ninth Legion, that's a weird one, where the, the Legion of the Ninth went into the Highlands and completely disappeared because the, the, the picks completely destroyed them or something and they never found them mm. um so edinburgh goes back way back to the bronze age so there's always been a sort of fort there and arthur seat is also a volcano but it's dormant now but back when it was active which would have been i don't know well well before jesus was around <laughs> years now. um at least three months before jesus was born yeah, well, it, a 350 million years ago, Arthur's seat was formed by a volcanic eruption and the two bumpy summits are what's left of the volcano's central vents. Um, so as a volcano, and it has the appearance of, some say, a lion's, a, the back of a lion sleeping. Um, other people say that it, the legend is that it was a, a dragon. Now, back in the day, <laughs> so back in the day, uh, in mythical times, in Kill of Edinburgh, before there was any sort of city or anything like that, 
there was the legend has it that there was a mighty dragon and it was quite sleek and slender and it got really hungry so it just went around terrorizing the people of Edinburgh at that time the townspeople or the, the village and it would just constantly eat anything that it could find and the people of the village were like what the fuck do we do we what do we do we can't do anything they couldn't stop it it's a dragon so eventually ate so much that it became fat and got quite sluggish and tired so it settled down on one of the volcanoes a similar temperature to the past couple of days because eating a lot does make you probably yeah collapse in a heap in this heat (laughs) definitely um so it eventually got so fat and bloated and tired that it settled down on the volcano and then eventually it went to sleep you know because after a big meal you want to sleep it off went to sleep and it never woke up Oh. And it became the top of our first seat. That's what forms a ridge. So that, um, I mean, some people say that it was just made up. Well, obviously, I don't know if dragons. I don't think dragons were real back then. But people think it's just a tale that people tell to, like, say, "Don't be greedy, or you might fall asleep and never wake up." Like the dragon. Um, I always thought that our first seat was called that because it was to do with the legend of. King Arthur because some people say that that's where Camelot was built but actually I probably believe the other one which is about how Arthur's seat is actually um, Arthur's seat is like a a a mistranslation of a Gaelic phrase which I don't have right now um, that means arrow height so it was like as far as they could, as the people back then could shoot arrows. That's as high as the arrows would go, or something like that. It was like a Gaelic phrase for that. I believe that more than I believe like the King Arthur fucking lived there. Well, or that's supposed to be like the birth of King Arthur. And he I was think on the basis on of nothing, the hill. I was just assuming yeah. it was called Arthur's seat because someone called Arthur sat there, but because it was very oh, big, just... I thought he must have been a giant. That was my own I think it would be funnier if you just thought it was just some boring man called Arthur that had like like a Clark Kent type that just sat there one day and declared it to be a seat. And that's really as, as exciting as it gets. But no, um, I think it is generally the Gaelic or the Gaelic that that's what it means. Um. Yeah. Let's see if there's more information about it here. I've I've not actually claimed it. Have you? I've claimed it halfway up. Halfway yeah. Up. No. I've I've been to it. <laughs> but no, I've it's... not claimed all the way to the top of it. <laughs> Robert Louis Stevenson described it as a hill for magnitude, a mountain in virtue of its bold design. Like I don't think it was designed, mate. I think it just came out the ground naturally. But there you go. <laughs> Um, it's sometimes said that the name is derived pertaining to King Arthur, such as in Why Good Dodden, don't know what that is. Some support for this may be provided by several other hilltop and mountaintop features in Britain which bear the same or similar names, such as the peak of Ben, Ar- ben Arthur, which is the cobbler, 
I've been up there. It's called the Cobbler. It's a it's it's a big mountain that people like lots of people like to walk up the the hills or Munros as we call them, and it's nicknamed the Cobbler because when you look up at it from the ground, it's like there's a man hunched over a big anvil making shoes or hitting shoes or whatever. Um, and there's Arthur's chair on the ridge called Stone Arthur in the English Lake District. There's no traditional Scottish Gaelic name for Arthur Seat in Edinburgh, but William Maitland proposed that the name was a corruption of Arnashade, implying the height of arrows over which the years became Arthur's seat, perhaps Archer's seat. Um, alternatively, John Milne's proposed etymology of Ardfersu, that I can't speak Gaelic for shame, meaning place on high ground comfortably requires a transposition of the name um, elements. Also, um, we mentioned this before, in 1836, a few, like a couple of wee boys were playing about near our first seat and they found some weird coffins with little dollies in them and they don't know they were put there, they think. Maybe it was the weirs that put them there? Maybe. Because they're like little poppet dolls. They they think it was like a witch's thing, some sort of like magic ritual that they were put there. But Although it wasn't they a meter or less they are. the things that they were facing up to, but that doesn't mean they didn't do it. <laughs> I was quite mild compared to other stuff. Right, the mythology around that. Um, so Arthur Seat is often mentioned as one of the possible locations for Camelot, the legendary castle and court of King Arthur. Tradition has it that it was at the foot of Arthur Seat, covered by the forests of Drumselch, that Scotland's 12th century King David I encountered a stag while out hunting. Having fallen from his horse and about to be gored, he had a vision of a cross appearing between the animal's antlers before inexplicably turned away, leaving him unharmed. David, believing his life had been spared through divine intervention, founded Holyrood Abbey on the spot, which is the abbey that's next to our palace at the bottom of the Royal Mile. The burr arms of Canongate, of the cannon gate display the head of the stag with the cross framed by its antlers. The slopes of the hill facing Holyrood are where young girls in Edinburgh, oh, I don't know this, traditionally bathe their faces in the dew on May Day to make themselves more beautiful. We're such freaks, aren't we, in Scotland? (laughs) (laughs) The poem Cala Water, Fresh Cool Water, written by Robert Ferguson in 1773, contains the lines... On May Day in a fairy ring, we've seen them round St. Anthon's spring. Free grass, the collar dew draps ring to wheat therein, and water clear as crystal spring to send them clean. There you go, a nice wee Scottish poem there for you. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's really it. I don't think there's anything else I can really say, but there... Culture which uh, Walter Scott included Arthur Seat amongst the solitary and romantic environs. He roamed in the 1780s as a schoolboy with a chosen friend, hmm. telling each <laughs> other... In, in, that sounds quite... Uh, yeah, homosexual. A chosen friend does sound very... Uh... Yeah. Gallantry and knights and stuff. Arthur Seat has a passing mention of one of the sites of Edinburgh in the novel Frankenstein, by Mary Shelley. That's pretty sweet. 
The 2000... Nah, I don't really care about that. Uh, in Jules Verne's novel, The Underground City, or The Child of the Cat, an inhabitant of Verne's underground city, is taken to Arthur's seat to view her first sunrise. She's never before been above ground and is being acclimatised to life above the ground. Edinburgh comes across as this romantic, mythical place more than Glasgow does, doesn't it? Yeah. I suppose because it just does look spooky old town and everything there is some sort of spookiness to it because it sort of retained its ancient history it's like there's a new town across from the old we've got that divide whereas i don't think glasgow really has that does it it's more of a victorian looking city it doesn't really have any of its 18th century or 17th century roots that edinburgh has yeah like there's so much of and as you say it's kind of like very distinct mm. as well like the the very old buildings and everything around yeah. the castle and all that like Houses. they're all right next to each other so you can kind of yeah. wander about and almost feel like you're back in the past yeah so in edinburgh it's still got the tall buildings that they used to have and it's got like more tourists go there than than glasgow i suppose i, I really wish they would clean up glasgow a little bit i mean not saying yes. there aren't any homeless people in edinburgh but it does have more, I don't know if that's kind of Scottish shortbread type thing than Glasgow does. I suppose Glasgow's got more of a tough working class exterior, whereas Edinburgh's more seen as a strangely upper class, whereas it wasn't really back in the old... Okay, a lot that was the seat of government. That's where our queen lived or the, the royals, uh, if, they didn't, if they weren't in Linlithgow Palace or, or Falkirk. The, the main palace of Scotland was either Edinburgh or Holyrood Palace. And I suppose that's why Edinburgh is considered, I don't know, more important than Glasgow. I don't know. I feel like I should defend Glasgow more, even though we're doing I think this it about Edinburgh. More, like what you said already, I think it is just aesthetics as well. Mm. Yeah. Like especially if you're the old town. and you come and you stay like right in the centre of Edinburgh, it mm. seems like you're somewhere really different and like from the past mm. like from another yeah. time whereas Glasgow doesn't yeah it doesn't really because a lot of the old tenements were pulled down and replaced with horrible high rises I think that's yeah. the sad thing about Glasgow that a lot of the slums that Edinburgh had have been preserved in a way um and although Edinburgh was famous as well for its mobs they used to have angry mobs. Like, actually, you know how the scenes in movies where you get the people with the pitchforks and the flaming... Yes. Like, torches and stuff? That's Edinburgh. They used to do that on a daily basis for the slightest of things. I wish they would start the Edinburgh mob again because it unfortunately is too full of, like, I don't know, English people in Edinburgh now. Whereas Did the Edinburgh got... mob not um, run Nigel Farage out of Edinburgh not long ago? Actually, no, that was in... Oh, actually, I think they did. But then in Glasgow, they um, ran, I think they chased someone into a Subway sandwich shop. <laughs> it was a Labour MP or somebody. Yeah, yeah, you don't fuck with us. <laughs> I think, yeah, Nigel Farage was in a pub and he was stuck there because the pe- there was a mob, the Edinburgh mob turned up and he was sc- too scared to leave. Otherwise, they would actually mob him. Not in a good I'm way. I'm glad the Edinburgh mob still exists. 
Yeah, but I think it should exist like in a better way. Like we need to, well actually we we have protested quite a bit, like March for Independence and stuff. There was a huge march um all down the Royal Mail and they filled out it, it, Holyrood Palace, but they haven't done that in a while in Edinburgh. They tend to do it more in Glasgow now. I guess I just hope they haven't given up. But yeah, I think there should be more. We should be more like the French and bring back the Edinburgh mob with our pitchforks and torches. <laughs> Nowadays, if you've got pitchforks and torches, you're seen as some sort of fucking Nazi, though. That's like the, the imagery you get in America. But not so with Edinburgh. They just liked a riot. They loved a riot. <laughs> and they've got the narrow streets. I can just imagine them all just piling down. But what, you're having a riot mob and then... Um... Yeah women in bows coming down the street the other way she's having a yeah anytime there's like a riot or anything i feel like the women of bow is going to come out and just have laugh it up I, that, that's what i think she's there for just to break the tension a bit yeah like for balance so if something shit happens the women of bow comes where a band of many men and has a daft laugh whereas like something miserable's happened she'll be there like i know it seems maybe inappropriate or whatever but I like the fact that she's there to cheer everyone up if, if there's a bad thing happening. Yeah, it's good to have a bit of light. Like a good distraction. Yeah. Going on. yeah, that's cool. And, and I'd like, yeah, I mean, if I'm feeling down, I, she does sound scary, but she's a woman. She's not a man. If it was a 10 foot skinny man with like little tiny little elfin women around him, I wouldn't like that. But I like the fact, I like the idea of a big fat jolly tall woman hoofing it up yeah she seems like she'd be um the idea like, person to go a night out with yeah i feel like instead of the edinburgh Fe- like i hate the edinburgh festival i think it's ruined edinburgh but i also feel like they should have like an event not not in the edinburgh festival time because people just think it's some shit show but they should have like maybe during may day or the anniversary of the weirs being burnt they should have like a ritual where someone dresses as a woman of bow and has little men dance around her you know make yeah. a tradition like like a may day tradition or something well that's edinburgh if you want to visit fine i don't care that's <laughs> <laughs> fine you do you fuck faces I'd recommend you go to the grass market because that's a really cool place. There's vintage shops there and there's a good pub called the White Heart Inn. The White Cart Inn? Or is it the White Heart? No, I think it's the White Heart Inn. And that's where apparently Robbie, Robbie, fuck off. Rabbi Burns used to sit and write his poems and things. And I think the Deacon Brody pub is where Deacon Brody used to go. But they're just going to say that, aren't they? Just to get people in the door. Yeah. I don't know if he actually attended that pub. Because why would he go to a pub that's named after himself? It must have been named something else back then, obviously. God. <laughs> Edinburgh Castle's not really all that great. It, it's. I don't think it's worth the ticket admission. Take pictures of it from outside, but there's not really much to see from the inside, to be fair. No. You can see the Scottish Crown Jewels and the Stone of Scone, and that's about it. There's not really anything else to see. If anything, I would say go to Linlithgow Palace. Even though it's a ruin, it's actually more fascinating. Or Holyrood Palace. And then you can leave some snide notes for King Charles to find. 
because he's he can't pick notes up with his big sausage fingers. Oh yeah, that's true. right so let's pick um let's wrap it up here what is um the next topic going to be what number statue is from a good question hold on also Uh, in edinburgh the weirdos they put salt and sauce on their chips instead of salt and vinegar yeah Salt and sauce is like the sauce is like a mixture of brown sauce and vinegar and salt. But I'm gonna do a U-turn here and say I actually quite like it. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that at all. Okay. What are the numbers? Ooh, excuse me. Ooh. Um, Ooh. It's too hot to be awake, but it's also too <laughs> hot to sleep. Uh, one in <laughs> yeah, I'm just screaming. Ah, too many numbers. Ah. One in thirty. Oh, it's gone up to 30. Um, let's go for... <laughs> 19. 19 is... Drumroll. Ancient Egypt, part two. Yay! A oh, really hot country. <laughs> Ancient Egypt, part two. Right, so is it just... Let's maybe not focus so much on the gods, but like mythical stories about Egypt. Is it yes. possible to do that without mentioning the gods? I get what you mean, though. Let's it's move, yeah, we move away from the gods a bit. Yeah. And more into life in ancient Egypt or myths surrounding ancient Egypt. Maybe ancient aliens, stuff like that. We could look into a bit more weird. Yeah, I think that'd be more fun. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, I say yes to that plan. Let's do that. Okay. Well, I'm going to go away to melt into a sofa and pour some ice down my dress. How about and I'm you? going to lie flat on my face, but with a glass with ice next to me so that I can just kind of soak the ice. Ew. You're going to soak <laughs> your ice off the... F- Wait, okay. Yes, but you've got... You've got... You've got colourful ice balls. No, not ice balls. Ice melts. <laughs> Fucking hell. I also have colourful ice balls. Can you say fresh and fresh? You put your balls in the freezer and turn them into ice pops. Oh. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>